I really think the key in Canada is to separate yourself. You, to cut through the noise a little bit, you have to be a little bit unique. Us operators that are not DraftKings and MGM and we can't give away $3,000 for everybody who signs in, it forces you to be creative. It forces you to find ways to, to connect with people. The local content game is one really good way to do that. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on Twitter Spaces. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience. Welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Gaming News Canada show. Hard to believe, but this is the uh, the last Thursday in November 2022. Just can't believe that uh, the December is around around the corner. Really happy, as always, to have uh, Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group and Will Hill from Sightline Payments join us. Um, Chris Abbott from Botano is going to join us uh, shortly. And uh, Sarah Prairie from uh, Parlay Media Group's uh, Room Four Four Two Soccer Show is gonna gonna come on at two forty five, and we'll talk to Sarah for for ten minutes at the end of the uh, at the end of the show about the World Cup Cup so far, her observations, and and for sure we'll get into the uh, uh, the, the very tough one nil loss by Canada to, to Belgium yesterday. Uh, just want to quickly run run through some headlines from from the newsletter before we uh, get Amanda and Will into the uh, into the spaces here. Um, again, World Cup's obviously a, a dominant topic this week. If if you had a chance to read the newsletter this morning, you may have read Dan Ralph's story. Dan Ralph, the uh, longtime sports writer for the Canadian Press, writing on the action around the World Cup so far, and, and not surprisingly. Um, uh, Sports books in Ontario are, are enjoying uh, the fruits of the, the the largest soccer term in the world, and obviously with Canada being back for the first time since 1986, there's been a lot of action as well. Um, Amanda, is that something that you're seeing at that Unibet, where there's there's certainly a, a lift in action this week because of World Cup? Uh, naturally, like everyone else, you know, everyone's promoting it. Um, but um, soccer has always been sort of in our top 10 sports, sort of regardless of the time. Well, I don't want to say time of year because there's seasonality to every sport. But, you know, I kind of go back to a familiar theme of, you know, Ontario being very multicultural. And when you've got a group of people living here for whom, you know, football, not soccer, but football is, you know, one of the top two sports or the top sport in their country. Um, it tends to generate interest outside of the World Cup as well. But we're certainly happy to see Canada being represented and looking forward to cheering them on, um, hopefully <laughs> a lot over the tournament, but certainly this week. Hey, man, just a follow up to one, one thing that I saw discussed a little bit last week, and I hadn't really thought of it, but um, it made sense once I saw it flagged was the fact that the World Cup usually happens in the summer. It, it's a quieter time in the sports calendar, and and given with uh, with Qatar twenty twenty two and happening at with you know we're smack in the middle of the N- NFL regular season and the NHL and the NBA is in, in full swing. Um, is that something just because Kindred is a global company? Have you, have you heard any of those conversations where there is some um, lamenting of of this not being a summer event? Uh, no, not lamenting uh, at all. I'm part of a massive Teams chat that's all World Cup focused. And because uh, the North American expansion is the newer expansion for Kindred and our European side of business is the very mature side. Um, so it's certainly World Cup fever has has definitely struck. Um, they've been planning out their World Cup 
um, marketing and the World Cup offers and all the customer experience and all the rest of that for months and months and months now. So I think for, you know, big operators like Kindred, um, who are active, you know, throughout the globe, um, there's certainly a team for whom this is going to be the, their sole focus. And then if I shift over to North America, um, certainly World Cup is going to be really important. I know on the U.S. side, they'll be pulling back a little bit um, when the U.S. team gets eliminated. I shouldn't say when, if the U.S. <laughs> team gets eliminated. Um, Canada will be different, again, because we're so multicultural. So it makes sense to kind of keep the gas on in Ontario until the culmination of the World Cup. But certainly nobody will be forgetting about other big, important sports like basketball, hockey and football, because those ultimately are the top sports on this side of the pond. Right. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about about World Cup uh, once once Chris Abbott joins. A couple of items of news from Parlay Media Group, Gaming News Canada in particular, and we announced a partnership on Tuesday morning with with our friends at CDC Gaming Reports in in the U.S. And uh, this partnership really came from a conversation that Corey Roberts, the publisher at CDC, and and I had over a cup of coffee at uh, the Global Gaming Expo in Las Vegas. But I guess. Amanda seven weeks ago now since we were in Las Vegas together and um, we're excited about it uh, um, Corey mentioned the CDC with what's going on in Canada with with the regulated gaming industry now that they wanted to, to have a stronger Canadian presence so we're going to be supplying them with uh, with content from our newsletter on, on the, the CDC gaming reports website uh, the relationship in turn gives uh, Gaming News Canada a little bit more exposure in the U.S. Hopefully, and and um, that it will mean that more people in the U.S. are following what we're reporting as well. So we we look at this as a win-win partnership. Um, we also announced uh, announced today our uh, our partnership with with Botano on the the Room Four Four Two show, and we'll, and we'll have Chris Abbott talk a bit about that, and we'll get Mark Silver up here as well once once Chris uh, joins us. Uh, but while we're waiting for Chris, and because we we do have Amanda and Will and and Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association, with us, uh, I, I would like to switch gears and get into certainly from an industry perspective, the most talked about uh, topic of, of the week. And, you know, I think all of us were surprised while we were, as I mentioned, the newsletter sitting down, having our cup of coffee on, uh, on Sunday morning and, and seeing uh, uh, Eric Vogel's tweet pop up from the New York times and, and then starting to read the, the investigative series that the times have done on the sports betting industry. And Paul Burns, maybe I'll just start with you. And, you know, you and I talked about this on Monday, I have a few quotes from you in, in the newsletter today. It wasn't a very flattering portrayal of the sports betting industry, but I, I, I do think it, uh, it glossed over a few few things as well. And, and again, I think the one thing that maybe Paul, the series does showcase is the fact that Ontario, it, it, it does reflect what a thorough job the AGCO and the provincial government, Ontario, iGaming Ontario, uh, organizations like the CGA, just uh, how well regulated that the market is in Ontario. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, it is obviously, I mean, we know, and I think we all, those are working within the Ontario marketplace know that the regime is quite solid. Um, and the AGCO and I go together, um, created, I think, a, the right a balance in, in uh, obviously understanding um, the, the vulnerabilities that sometimes come with different positions based on 
um, uh, dealing with the right measures to ensure you're not exacerbating problem gambling or encouraging irresponsible play or anything like that. But what we've seen, you know, and I go back to the Times piece, and it actually says to me more about the lobbying industry in Kansas uh, than it does anything else. Um, because uh, if that's the way they, you know, make laws in that state, well, that's a great job for, you know, it's scotch and cigars for the lobbyists, and that's all you need. Um, that's it, it doesn't actually, I think they, you know, it's what we've seen. We've seen they reported an agenda and they had a, a sexy angle and let the facts get in the way. Um, the fact that, you know, the revenue projections of half a billion dollars didn't line up, but they came within a hundred million of or so of it was like, it's, that's great news. Regulated gaming's work that's providing tax revenue. It's creating jobs. Um, they didn't want to tell that story. And that was clear, but they wanted to tell a story about lobbying and banking because that's sexier. And that's what one of them spends most of his time writing on is um, that, you know, so, you know, the industry is is continually has to put its best foot forward and restate its position over and over again and, and put it what it does, what it does well. Um, we're a highly regulated, very transparent industry. Um, and I'd stack us up against anybody. And that's uh, when it comes to um, understanding the rules. And I think and playing by them and, and compliance and care for customer and all of those things. I think it's all top of mind. So, you know, it's unfortunate those things get written that way. Um, but, you know, I, I guess if I wanted to say something, I should go buy, I should go buy a newspaper. Um, but to say it differently, but that's, we've, we've seen it a lot here in Canada too. Uh, and that's just, it's the nature of, of the, uh, the way the, the misperceptions and misconceptions that people have about our industry uh, continue. Yeah, I think, uh, Amanda, I read, uh, I thought Steve Ruddick's uh, column on gambling.com uh, was, was pretty, a pretty good take on, on the, uh, on the times uh, pieces. And, and basically his, the summary was, is that, uh, you know, regulated gambling is far better than having unregulated gambling. But again, because you've, you've got more than two decades of experience in this field, you've worked closely with Paul, you know, the industry, I, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on what, uh, what you may have read or heard as well. Uh, yeah, it's just surprised because, you know, Paul and I, if you look back to all the arguments that we've heard over the last 10 years, not to um, change the criminal code to allow single event sports betting. And it really felt like finally, you know, as we're moving further into the 21st century, we were, you know, starting to understand collectively that regulation trumps any other stage for an industry like gambling. And that when you're regulated, when this activity has a lot of eyeballs on it, when there are consumer safeguards when there are rg standards when you know that you know the games you're playing are going to be fair and honest that the technology is going to be fair and honest i can't see how that would have any oppo opponents to it yet you know you know putting the argument about you know the ills of gambling aside it's just staggering that the new york times wrote such a one-sided piece in 2022 and everything paul said is right um, and as an operator um, who, you know, Kindred does not have a license in New York, it didn't seek one, but as an operator that, you know, is actively seeking other licenses in other jurisdictions around the world, 
why would we want to be part of an industry where the industry is being opened due to those methods? And when so much about lobbying right now is fully transparent, I can only speak about my experiences working federally and provincially in Canada. There are registries, your meetings are recorded, there's access to information. I mean, it's staggering to think that that is really all it would take to open any kind of regulated industry in any first world country around the world. So yeah, it was just, it was disappointing, but um, you know, the blowback and the pushback was immediate. So hopefully there are some internal discussions happening right now over at the New York times. Uh, Will Hill, I'd, I'd wait, I'd wager a couple of dollars. You have a thought, thought or two on, on this week. Yeah. Sadly, this speaks to the social license or the social acceptance of, of commercial gambling. Um, that uh, it's still pretty far down the curve as compared with, say, um, alcohol service. Um, there, there's, there's still, you know, this recurring theme of, of uh, the ills of gambling being brought out in hit pieces in the media every two to three years, it seems like. I mean, I, when, uh, when Paul mentioned uh, the framing of new tax revenue in the U.S., i.e. that sports betting generated $460 million in new tax revenue to governments that are badly in need of it um, in the wake of, of a costly pandemic. Um, and the Times actually reported it as $140 million less than what was expected. Well, I mean, listen, the business of financial forecasting is difficult at the best of times, but in a global pandemic, it's even harder. So why aren't you celebrating the $460 million in new tax revenue as opposed to any kind of deficit from a, a proposed target? It called to mind for me uh, my days at OLG in our modernization program, where uh, between 2012 and 2019, the company reinvented itself, changed its business practices, and increased its pro profits, which are returned in their entirety to the provincial coffers, from $1.6 billion in 2012 to $2.5 billion um, in 2019, in the last full fiscal year before the pandemic. Um, and yet in some circles, including the major media, there was um, some criticism that Ah, uh, well, you generated a billion in new dollars for the government, but you didn't quite hit your targets. And, and it's like, <laughs> at some point, you just have to shrug your shoulders and accept that uh, because of the way the, the industry that you're operating in is, is sometimes perceived, um, you're not always going to get the full benefit uh, that perhaps you're entitled to or, or should, should receive uh, from some of the efforts you make. And, and certainly that, to me, was reflected in the Times piece and, and how they presented um, some of the uh, some of the information. I, 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 w I was sad and, and uh, certainly encouraged when I saw Dave Briggs from GeoComply um, author what I thought was one of the most thoughtful and measured pieces uh, on LinkedIn. And I would encourage people to, to go and look up his profile and actually find that uh, that post from from Dave uh, because uh, I, I thought it was an excellent response. Yeah, you can also find Dave's post in the in the newsletter as well. Well, hey, I, I want to get uh, Chris Abbott, the Canadian Country Manager for Kays and Gaming, in here as well. And Chris, I know we 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 invited you to talk about about something World Cup related a little bit later, but I'm um, just wondering, did did you get uh, was there a flood of emails sitting in your inbox on Sunday morning, or or have you had conversation with your bosses over in Europe this week about the New York Times um, series? Uh, we've been super busy, so no, it hasn't really, you know, it was, it was discussed amongst our management team, but, um, you know, I think, I think it's important to consider the source and the source country 
Um, you know, the, the comment was made a few minutes ago about kind of a one-sided reporting and, um, uh, listen, I'm not like against the New York Times or anything, but I think in the United States especially, um, and it's, it's crept into Canada, let's not kid ourselves, is that things have become very one-sided, um, maybe not getting the 360 view that they deserve. So, um, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. What's good to see is the pushback. And I think, um, when, when industry experts can come back with articulative, um, art, uh, you know, responses, then, then yeah, that's that's a positive thing. So it, listen, um, it's one of the ills of the internet. I find is that everybody gets an opinion. Sometimes that could be an opinion coming from from you know investigative journalists at at newspapers. But um, when there's pushback, there has to be some dialogue and there has to be con- some consideration of uh, of things that may have been left out. And and I think um, it speaks maybe broader to our our culture right now of. You know, who are we going to cancel next or who are we going to come after next? And um, I think it was Amanda's point there that that if people really took the time to look into regulated jurisdictions and all the things that go into them and how difficult it is, you know, as an operator to be compliant and make sure that you have everything in a row and you are being held to task, um, you know, I think I think it just takes uh, more education and conversation. And, and as I said, I think that translates to our broader world right now. Paul Burns, part of the conversation that you and I had on, on Monday was just, again, it, the, the time series maybe shows that there is a need to continue, uh, get, you know, continue getting the message out from in terms of the gambling industry. And, and uh, I know that's that's not easy in today's world where where newsrooms aren't as aren't as robust as, uh, as they once were. And, and uh, you and I also talked about the fact that when, you know, we we see each other at these at these conferences that uh, you tend not to see uh, any any mainstream media and, and the gambling industry has a has a good story to tell and it's the one thing that's surprised me a little bit in Ontario is that there hasn't been uh, you know there hasn't been much coverage of of the industry since Ontario went live on April fourth among mainstream media outlets and and when there is something it tends to be it tends to be on the negative side i mean how do you know how whether you're the the cga or, or people like like chris and uh, and amanda and will in the industry like how how do you work at getting that message out beyond beyond people in the in, within the industry already yeah steve it's it's something that obviously it, it's it's uh, you know having a background in politics you, you come you have to say the message a thousand times before people really start to register and you can't say the same, get the message out enough. And that's what we still can get to do because of some biases and misconceptions. And, and you know, 10 years ago, 15, there, there was, there was a, we really only had one generation grow up with gaming and widespread access to gaming. Um, there was a generation like my parents who grew up with like, you know, Irish sweepstakes tickets arrived in the country and people were able to buy them and yet sneak them around and oh what do we do if we win um you know those kinds of things well, to move to where we are today and we've had now a couple generations grow up and the public acceptance is growing uh because it, call it normalizing the fact that it's available um that people are, are understanding it better what it is what it isn't and i think that's that's helped that's part of the maturation in the industry but the other side is that yes we have to tell because our story better especially because in Canada, gaming grew up as a way for governments to make money. 
that's really well they thought about it as. No one looked at, well, look at the careers you can create. Look at the types of skill sets that you need from people. Um, now, looking at the technology and the innovation uh, that's going on, um, those are news stories. And, and those are ones important ones we have to tell. And that's some of the part we're looking at as we go forward as, uh, as the association of doing the education advocacy work on behalf of the industry is to, is to start t talking about those stories and talking about the innovators um, that are, are building new companies and products to the fact that there's, there's wonderful careers um, available. Um, I've been doing outreach to some of the universities for the co-op programs to find placements for students. Um, because these are great places for kids to, to get foothold in a career in an industry and introducing them to what's available in the gaming industry. And I think that's uh, that comes the next stage of, of more of this as we have a greater involvement of the private sector. Uh, it's growing every year. It continues to. Um, and that's what we have to... It's, it's talking about it a little differently. It's not talking about how much revenue has been earned for government. That's great. That's a great side benefit. Uh, from our industry, but there's also, um, you know, 140 jobs were created this week, you know, or over the last two months as, as Great Way Casinos opened Wasega Beach. Well, I don't know if the last time there was an employer that moved into Wasega Beach, I hired 140 people. Yep. And those are the kinds of things that, that we we continue to have to pull out and, and, and say, and that's, a, and that's where we come in, and that's something that I, I'm pretty passionate about in terms of supporting Canadian innovators and telling people that these are great jobs in these industries, just careers to be had in our sector and get people to start looking at it differently. Um, because I've had people at the time I've said with, you know, well-educated business executives will think if you gamble, you get addicted. Right. And that's just, that's just nonsense, but that's misconceptions. That's stuff that people have. And, you know, I have media that will say to me, well, we have to talk about problem gambling to balance out the story. And as I said to you the other day, it's that every time they write about a car company and a new car product, do they have to write about car accidents or how people misuse their product? No, they don't. And that's the part is that, that we know, listen, the industry is very transparent about people having issues and control issues with our products. We don't deny the fact. And the fact that like I'm a big proponent of transparency because we get to let's talk about those issues. Let's talk about how we're dealing with them as a sector. Um, because it only it's shining more light brings it, more people understand, and and that's what we have to keep doing. Yeah, that and Paul, that's a great segue. And Amanda, I'd like to start with you. I mean, this this is something, Amanda. We beat we topics to death here every week, and and you and I have whether it's by emails or conversations or texting, talk about it as as well. But just you know, it, the part of the time series does center again on, on responsible gambling and, and gambling addiction and advertising. And, and uh, they, they do seem to, to be whipping, whipping boy topics about the entry and, and, and how, you know, how do you, how do you take those things and, and shine, shine a bright light on it? And, and, and I, I just wonder, the other thing I wonder about as much, Amanda, because we're, so much of this in Europe right now. We, again, this week the UK there there's a survey out about uh, 
I, I think there's a survey out about how there's now problem gambling among among school school children, and and uh, there's a rising rate of of uh, betters among high school children, and and uh, and and again we we've talked about it on Twitter Spaces almost every week. It seems to be a topic about about people's concerns with the amount of aver- advertising. Like, how do you how do you combat that from an industry perspective? Listen, I can only talk about it from the experience of, of Ontario um, and the fact that the standards were developed primarily with RG front and center. And we do have severe restrictions in terms of how we can advertise and what we can say. And the fact that every single piece of advertising has to carry an iGaming Ontario um, logo on it so that customers know that it's a licensed and regulated operator, but also we have information on Connexus. So you walk into a land-based facility, you get an email from an operator, you look at an advertisement, there is automatically a um, information being provided for an RG treatment hotline that you can call right away. I know anecdotally from speaking with our head of player sustainability, that the RG tools that we make available to every customer, like cool off periods, deposit limits, time limits um, are being accessed more in Ontario than they are in any other US jurisdiction. This is, I'm just speaking from a, a Unibet perspective. Right, right. So we know that we know that there are people who engage in all kinds of activities that shouldn't. We know that there are people who engage in gaming that shouldn't, which is why there are there's there's a very extensive system of checks and balances online when it comes to trying to identify problem behavior and a lot of this most of it is ai based so it's not that you're trying to you know put the job on on a you know human intervention um or have it left purely up to you know a human's ability to interpret things it's not i mean there's very smart ai software that not just unibit but many many just what all operators now use for their rg so it's a long way of saying that you know this is an industry that is aware of you know potential harms we are similar to cigarette smoking and alcohol consumption and cannabis consumption um and even the makers of you know substances that have very high trans fats in them you know or high sugars in them there are lots of things out there that aren't good for you but i think canada has done an exceptionally um strong job with its responsible gaming and i keep pointing back to the standards i mean there are so many rg standards we have to follow including every operator in the market is going to have to go through rg check accreditation within two years of being in the market i don't know too many other jurisdictions that have that layered on top of them so it's it's you know nobody nobody in in this industry wants to be earning money off problem gamblers that's not the business model for any operator um, that is licensed in this market and i think that again full circle back to the need for regulated markets because if you're not licensing and regulating the activity in your market how do you even begin to know where the problems are and who needs help and how to provide it you have absolutely no idea Chris, did you did you want to add any thoughts to what Amanda said here? I mean, following Amanda is always tough because she lays it out so well. So I don't. Uh, but I listen. I, I fully agree. I mean, um, uh, but uh, I would I would add that um, maybe the general public doesn't know the extent of work that goes into responsible gaming, and, and it becomes kind of a throwaway word sometimes. So. 
I think, um, you know, e even though that all licensed operators in Ontario have to, um, you know, commit X percent of, of the budget uh, or X, X dollars of, uh, from the percent of the budget, uh, I, I think it's still maybe, and back to what Paul was saying, is telling the story a little bit better. And how do we do that? And what's our strategy? Do we need some some journalists who are on our side who they don't have to be gamblers but they have to understand you know a to z and i think some of the guys with you know like jeff at covers for example understands the business from a to z but is his stuff getting the exposure that you know a new york times article for example right and of course uh, as much as jeff's work gets around maybe not new york times uh, level exposure so i think I think that's that's a, that's another part of it, right? It's a full circle approach in, the, in that we need to we need to let people know that this is out there. Like it's a you know you, if you want to compare it to the alcohol situation, it's it's the don't drink and drive. It's the you know, it's it's the signs on the gardener that tell you you know impaired is impaired. Like it needs to be woven that much into the communication um, rather than the come play at our casino maybe you know so it's um but i think that 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 is on the operator but it's also on the media back to what we spoke of before to to pick that up and say hey these things are in place these are success stories but it, it is a real gray area when uh when maybe that success story comes at the the cost of somebody losing a lot of money yeah hey will any other thoughts to the the conversation we've had here or on, or yep. on the time series yeah any recitation of the facts on responsible gambling has to begin with the fact that less than 3% of the population, the adult population, is at moderate risk of problem gambling, and less than 1% is at a severe risk. And, and those prevalence rates are constant or near constant down through history and across geographical jurisdictions. That's not to downplay those numbers, uh, because even less than 1% of the population here in Ontario is still a fairly significant number. And that's why I've always been especially proud that here in this province, more money has been committed to the issue of treating, mitigating, and researching problem gambling than any other jurisdiction in North America. And that the spirit of excellence in RG that was nurtured within OLG, the Responsible Gambling Council, and the AGCO early on has now been picked up and perhaps even enhanced by the private, op private operators that have entered this marketplace uh, over the last six months. Uh, so I actually think uh, here, um, as we talked earlier about framing the story, um, I think this jurisdiction, uh, more so than perhaps any other, has done perhaps the best job as it relates to um, RG and ensuring that there's player protections in place and ensuring that there's bridges to counseling and ensuring that there's the proper research going on so that we're always one step ahead of the problem um, in offering solutions as opposed to confronting the problem and being behind, uh, behind the curve. Right. Uh, John Lee, you had a quick question or comment here? Can you hear me? I, so yeah. So my kiosk is all about KYC. You can uh, it's you insert your driver's license as a camera. It makes sure you're of age. I just have a question about the OLG. So I can go on my phone and I can make six picks, and I take that barcode to you know let's just say John Lee's Variety, and I just the, the owner of that variety store just simply scans my barcode. If I look like I'm 21. I don't ever get asked for an ID. So how's that possible? Uh, Paul Burns, you want to tackle that one? 
Uh, sure. Um, now, funny enough, lottery retailers are regulated in the province of Ontario. Uh, so they are required, if they feel they need to ask for identification, um, to sell any lottery product. Um, and there are um, various mystery shopper type uh, enforcement compliance uh, programs put in place to do that. So it's actually not um, uh, so, and they could lose their retail, they could lose their, their kiosk, which for a lot of, uh, especially uh, independent business owners is um, it's a pretty good source of revenue. So there is generally a high level of compliance, but there is obviously it's, it's something that is, is, is tested uh, through the use of mystery shoppers. Uh, things like that. So um, there is some level of control. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Paul. I, I want to mention to everybody that uh, that I, I did reach out to the uh, AGCO for for comment on this, and and Ray Connor from their office sent sent me a very lengthy email response, really spelling out the AGCO's um, standards on 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 gambling, which it's it's. It's long, but it uh, it captures exactly what the AGCO has has tried to uh, has, tr has tried to do, and I think as Amanda and Chris and Will and, and Paul have pointed out, I mean that this the we have a pretty tightly regulated system here, and and uh, responsible gambling gambling is a priority. Um, the one thing the Times article did mention were the the bonuses and inducements, and that, that's something that the AGCO hasn't allowed to to creep into marketing and advertising with operators in this province and for the operators that have uh, been been guilty of doing that either inadvertently or, or on purpose they, they've been fine for that so far so um maybe uh paul hey, Steve, sorry can i can i jump in for one second because yeah certainly well please do take me into something um you know in this day and age of, of the 140 uh character tweet um you know, too often when companies are asked to make a statement, um, they, you know, throw out two or three sentences and, and uh, uh, some part of it is dutifully reported back by, by the media. Um, in this particular instance, uh, I want to commend Ray and the AGCO for putting together a really thorough and balanced and great statement. Um, and then further, I want to give you a hat tip uh, for not parsing it out, but rather presenting it in its whole. Um, you know, that, I thought that was a really, really savvy editorial decision on your part um, to, to give them that platform, give them that stage, and actually let their whole uh, statement speak for itself because it actually said quite a bit. So, so well done, AGCO, uh, and well done you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Will. Um, Paul, I'll maybe give you the, the last word on this because I, I know Chris is hanging in there on something else, and we've got Sarah Prairie scheduled to join us in about five, five minutes. But you know, I, most people who join this every week know know my background. I spent most of my uh, most of my career as as a journalist, and I feel like I've kind of come full circle. And I'm back in this industry now. Um, the one thing I will say that bothered me a little bit with the Times article, and Paul, I'd, I'd be interested in your comments on this, and maybe Amanda as well, is that there is a story about uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports and and the. Uh, uh, the headline or, or the subhead certainly uh, it portrays Portnoy as, as a spokesman for the betting industry in the U.S. and I, I think that's uh, I would suggest the Times really took some editorial license for that one, Paul. 
Yeah, Dave doesn't speak for the gaming industry. <laughs> Let's just put it clearly right there. He speaks for himself. Um, and no one, I think anybody in the industry knows that. Um, and that's, you know, that is unfortunate because he's not representative at all of this industry in many ways. And I'll leave it at that because <laughs> I don't have much else I can say in this forum. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I again, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because there are so many great voices in the industry, um, that they could choose to, to, to highlight and to talk about. But obviously, he has he has a persona that he's he's nurtured, um, and uh, and that seems to get the attention these days. Right. Uh, Amanda, I'll give the last word to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, similar to Paul, I think he is exactly the wrong person to represent any part of this industry, and you know, it, shame on anyone for giving him a platform. But if you think back. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, in the early days of online gaming, you did get a lot of colorful personalities that were launching betting websites. Um, 2022, most of them have gone. Um, most of them were unsuitable to work for publicly traded companies or to put their names <laughs> down on license applications in you know strict uh, jurisdictions. So the industry has very much sort of you know grown up. It's it's evolved. It's matured. Uh, since those early days with those early entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, it's, it, I, you know, I, you know, that's about all I can say other than strange business decision to, to, to continue to uh, represent any part of any, you know, regulated, you know, gaming company. That's, that's all I can say. It's, it's a strange business decision. Right. And just quickly before we get to Chris and uh, Chris, thanks so much for, for hanging in there. Um, Paul Burns did remind me, and I, I read this email this morning, there's, there's a company out there, Regulus Partners, that has a interesting uh, email newsletter um, that comes out, I think I get at least once a week. And it has a good, uh, the, the email I, I received, I think maybe it was yesterday, Paul just talks about uh, sports addiction in the UK right now. And and uh, the National Health Service, uh, I guess, has been pretty proactive in talking about the rise in gambling addictions. But there's uh, data from other other treatment organizations or, or clinics that, that point out that there's there's some misconceptions with with that data. So uh, again, I think there that that is obviously as a hot hot button issue is going to continue to be a hot button issue, but. Uh, I would say, just like I, I often plug the earnings plus more newsletter uh, on these Twitter spaces, I, I would suggest that Regulus is also a good uh, a good destination for information. Paul, did you, do you want to add anything to that before we let you go? Yeah, no, it is. Um, if, if people are curious about following sort of the trials and tribulations in the UK and um, the Regulus blog um, is a really good fun. They They've taken a very, uh, I think, uh, a good analysis and over the last couple months have done sort of weekly um, picking apart the selective use of statistics when it comes to reporting problem gambling um, to um, to some of the, the purported measures and other things that have been you know put to the UK market in the last number of years and and uh, the rationale for you know, why a new white paper is probably not even needed at this point in time but uh, it's a very good analysis, and, and because in the UK, I don't people know they actually survey children in their gambling habits. Um, that's why they can come up with statistics on children because they actually do put surveys to kids in classrooms. Um, 
about what they if they play cards or bet with friends and those statistics are, are sometimes misconstrued by people who think that that gambling is actually occurring in regulated environments and definitely not all of it is some of it is um, but not all of it very well most majority of it isn't um, so it's everything has to be taken with a, a full understanding yeah, and that Paul, that that blog, Regulus. That's uh, R E G U L U S. It's a Regulus blog, and you subscribe to the blog and get it sent by by email. So thanks, uh, Paul Burns, President CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. Thanks, thanks uh, as always for for hopping in the Twitter Spaces and the Gaming News Canada show and, and talking with us. And uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everybody. Uh, so and Chris, we'll get back to, to Chris Abbott and, and Chris. Sorry to keep you waiting, but uh, really felt that the New York that this series this week was was something that we need to devote some time to the to the show about. And uh, so so thanks for your insight. And I do want to talk about uh, again so much going on with the World Cup. We're seeing the events that sports books are doing. Um, we, we and I think with Canada being back at the tournament for the first time since 1986, and even the excitement we saw around the game with Be- Belgium yesterday. Um, Chris, we just want to give you a, a you know a few minutes to talk about uh, Parley Media Group's partnership and and Botano coming on board as the presenting sponsor of the Room 442 show, which. Uh, we're broadcasting on Game Plus TV Mondays to Fridays, and and uh, doing a live YouTube show at the end, at the end of the day's play the, this week, and on on our other social platforms as as well. And uh, I know Paul or Chris, you and I exchanged text emails yesterday, and and really, you you guys have had to get on your feet quickly and and find ways to uh, to make your uh, make your dent in the marketplace um, since getting the okay from iGaming Ontario back in late October. Yeah, thanks, Steve. So first of all, uh, you're not making me wait. I, uh, I fully enjoy these conversations. I wish I was able to attend every week, and it's going to be my, my goal, anyhow, to be here uh, as many times as I can. So um, no sweat there. Yeah, Botano... Um, we did our soft launch in Ontario uh, on October 19th. We started our marketing activity on November 1st. Actually, October 31st was the Monday. But, um, you know, it's been an interesting challenge so far because they're a tier one operator in Europe, uh, Kaizen Gaming, with both their Botano brand and Stickymon, which is the uh, which is the Greek uh, and Cyprus operator, translates to the Betman. Um, so that's, uh, th- that's their brand over there. So in 12 markets... Um, and growing quickly, and uh, it's been a real interesting kind of coming together of everything with our brand over the past few weeks. I mean, sometimes I have to remind myself that it's it's been you know five weeks since we launched, not even, and um, so it's been going well in that regard. Um, I would say that it's certainly a challenge in Ontario right now. I was you know I think it's uh, twenty seven sports books, fifty casino operators, something like that. So coming in late when, um, when kind of the rush happened in April or uh, companies that had had databases of customers previous to, you know, April 4th, being able to, uh, to kind of convert those customers and coming in with a new brand um, that, that hasn't been in North America before, certainly been a challenge. So um, with that said, we've been looking for ways to, to kind of stand out a little bit some TV advertising, of course, and um, we bought a, a package with Bell around the World Cup to, uh, to run a TV ad in in every match. And then um, I was actually at the head office last week, and we left a management meeting with uh, with a, we might have some big news coming. 
and um, yeah, n- none of us really uh, really knew what was what was happening. And I hadn't even known at that time that that the World Cup had never had a, a betting partner, as it were. But um, you know, our guys over there did uh, did some work, and you know, they're classified as a regional supporter in Europe for uh for the world cup so there's you know 90 seconds throughout the match of led ads and and on some backdrops when the european players and coaches do their do their interviews after the game but of course that translates very well here because uh, even though the the partnership is for europe it's uh obviously the leds are are on every match so our canadian uh customers or potential customers are getting exposed to that as well so that was kind of a little more fortuitous for me than it was actually um a plan so, sorry, somebody was typing, so it kind of threw me off. Uh, it was coming through on the microphone there. Um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been fun. So then, you know, we're looking for other other ways to uh, to partner, and, and I know that Gavin and Mark are on the call here right now, and I see Sarah's joined. So, um, room four four two seemed like a natural for me. Uh, I'm going to give away my age now, but I think I'm going to be worse for James because when I was growing up, you know, watching the score and watching highlights. You know his distinct voice and accent, especially on on sports like soccer and rugby and and things that are, aren't necessarily native to us here in Canada. Um, it, it resounded, and to to see that he's leading the the show there as the uh, one of the hosts was uh, was interesting to me. And then there's not a lot of groups doing good soccer coverage on our side of the world. There's not a lot of groups that are locally doing that coverage and uh, with the quality that uh, that the group is putting out. So that seemed like a natural fit to us as we were looking to expand our, our presence around the World Cup to continue that conversation. And, and again, got to thank Gavin and Mark and their whole teams. We, as has been the, the case, stood this up pretty quickly as well, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So it's uh, it's been going well so far. Um, you know, the, the interest in the events uh, couldn't have been better for any of our brands yesterday with Canada's performance. I think if they kind of got steamrolled, which may have been in the back of a lot of people's mind, that could happen. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. We all, we, you know, we all saw it. We're all tuned in. We all want to see if they can replicate it on Sunday and if they can find a way to at least get in the conversation before the Morocco match about getting out of the group. So uh, there's some excitement there around it. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, still early days, right? We're still in the first the first games of every group, so um, looking forward to the next few weeks here. Great, hey uh, Gavin. While we're trying to get we're just trying to get Sarah up here, I get her microphone working, but maybe you, you could just weigh in a little bit about the deal and why why it makes sense for for both uh, for both Room Four Four Two and and Botano. Chris, great to have you on, and, and uh, thanks for the support. And you know, we we believe it, it all starts with great content and when we were developing room 442 we just collectively said to ourselves this is a very attractive asset and you know with james and sarah and albert and mikey singh and and the team we've got an incredible group and uh um of credible uh soccer experts football experts and uh with the hype around the event this year and with canada being in it to the stars aligned, so we weren't surprised. Uh, we had a lot of interest. Um, I will say it all came together late, um, and uh, but you know, at first to the table, and I give Chris and his team credit. They they jumped on it, um, and we're thrilled to have them. And we're we're going to keep delivering great value for them throughout uh, 
the next month. So, and, and hopefully we do a lot more together because, uh, you know, it's, it's about working with people you enjoy working with. And, and I would say, Chris, you and your team certainly would check that box. So, uh, yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah. Just to, just to follow up on that for one second, I think, you know, without, uh, delving too much into any marketing strategy, but, I really think the key in Canada is to separate yourself from um, global communications. I think I think you to cut through the noise a little bit. You have to be a little bit unique. I mean, I think um, PointsBet, for example, when I first saw the Trailer Park Boys, I thought, ah, you know what? That's a really smart way to grab the attention of Canadians. Now, Americans are good at too because that show is wildly popular south of the border but you know something like that really i i i really like that move because it's canadiana and i think the more that we can do to separate ourselves from the um you know the ads i would say you know we talked a, a little bit ago about the the american um environment and and you know the for us operators that are not DraftKings and MGM and we can't give away $3,000 for everybody who signs in. I think um, A, the regulation is good for a lot of our our, uh, our colleagues here, but B, I think it, it forces you to be creative. It forces you to find ways to to connect with people. And I think um, you know the local content game is, is one really good way to do that. I do want to mention too, Chris, I love the tilt to floor and the tilt to rink ads that Botanos launched. And again, with something We've talked about here since we we launched uh, the Gaming News Canada show way back when, just about uh, the creativity around some of the advertising. And so Botanical certainly it's one of the better ones I've seen, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, our creative team, um, uh, our brand team. Your idea, at the head Chris, off. right? Your no, idea. so I, I wrote this. I was We had, when I was in Athens last week, the, the team that helped launch Ontario had a little get-together. And uh, it was funny. We went to this, like, uh, it was called Buffalo Wings and Rings. And you're in Athens, and all of a sudden you walk into this place, you feel like you're, you know, you're at a big box kind of kind of hockey team go there after the game kind of scenario, right? And uh, that was cool in itself. But one of the things I said to the team there is that when I was hired, it was late in the game. And having gone through the, you know, the, the cool bet experience in April um, and all the months leading up to it, I was, I was nervous. And the, the team that they had there at the head office had already been fully invested. They had all the answers to all the questions and, and uh, especially the creative guys uh, and girls, they were, um, they were fantastic, and those ads uh, are really good. We, I want, I wish we could run the casino ad that was uh, not approved by Think TV. Um, it was really, really good. Um, I'll share it someday, but um, yeah, I guess it went against some of the uh, gambling makes you uh, more impressive or more attractive um, things. But man, it was so good. The quality was so good. But yeah, um, the the tilting, it, you know, I really liked it. We opened it with the, the hockey to the basketball for the first few weeks. And now if you're watching it, uh, it starts the same with the hockey, but then flips to a World Cup. So uh, some really unique stuff. And, and uh, I wish it was my idea, but I'm proud to be associated. Let's uh, let's get Sarah in here, and it's, it's perfect timing because it's uh, Serbia and Brazil. It's halftime in a in a nil nil game, and uh, Sarah Prairie, one of the uh, the co hosts, commentators slash experts on Room Four Four Two. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us, and maybe just some general observations around the four weeks of the tournament. I'm I'm thinking of someone who's a fairly recent graduate of a program that this is probably your first uh, your first temple event, as we call it. 
Hi, Steve. Yeah, um, it's definitely all very exciting and it's coming in very quick. I actually have a journalism degree, so it's a little bit of everything. But it's it's crazy with broadcasting, I think, right now because of the time change. Like, I have never been up so early watching so much soccer all day long and then meeting up with the rest of the 442 crew to then come into the studio and then talk about everything that happened. It's so exciting, but it is just so intense and it's day it's day five of the tournament you know <laughs> I've, I've i've always said sarah some of the greatest people in this country are, are people with journalism degrees so i'm not i won't well i won't argue with you on that one <laughs> hey, hey sarah i just want to get uh, just in case people didn't have a chance to see the the great stuff that that you and james Sherman, albert vertani and michael singh did yesterday around the canada belgium game it just mm-hmm. just a couple of takeaways from from uh that what what, what was a real tough loss for Canada which even for someone like me who doesn't follow a ton of soccer just kind of really outclass Belgium yeah it was it was tough to watch because I think a lot of us went into it thinking you know we're probably going to lose this game two or three nil and then to come out of that match not only outplaying and outclassing Belgium but losing to them in a match that we so totally deserve to win I think we were all a little bit emotional Mikey was really upset at that point because he was like but we should have won I you know gained so much respect for the team not that I didn't have any before but it was really amazing to see a team that hasn't been in the World Cup since 86 come into the World Cup play their first match against one of the top teams in the world and put on a show for the world and I think the biggest takeaway is just we were all like we've made a statement to the world to show we are a football country and we have a great football team it was it was on like I am really proud of the team regardless of the result I'm really proud of them Uh, have you changed your mind on on uh, maybe a favor for this tournament based on the games you've watched so far (laughs) yeah definitely um I I think a lot of us in the studio here thought Argentina were going to be favorites. Now, listen, anything can still happen. They did lose their first match, which was shocking. But they still can go through and they can still pull it together. And if anyone can do it, it could be Argentina. But I'm actually a Spanish fan. Espan, and I yeah. was a little... Espan, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, I was worried about them a little bit because they have such a young team that are they haven't all played together necessarily or played uh, at this level yet. And they looked amazing. So I'm over the moon with them. And I think Spain actually have a really good chance of going all the way right now. The one thing I will say, Sarah, it seems to me, and, and tell me if, to, if I'm wrong, but there, there does seem to be a more attacking football than I've seen in, in previous world cups. And is that just kind of a change of tactics around, around the world or, or am I completely wrong on this one? And, and there are teams out there still playing very, defensive-minded games and trying to come out with a nil-nil draw or a, or a one-nil win. Yeah, I actually think there are a ton of defensive teams still because we've actually seen in this World Cup, it's day five, like I mentioned, and we've seen three nil-nil draws. Like, a lot of teams are actually sitting back, not pressing, and it's causing these, you know, nil-nil draws or the one-nil we saw this morning, uh, Switzerland and Cameroon. I'm actually noticing more defensive football for sure we've seen like teams like you know france england spain put on an absolute show and press which gives us actually more exciting football but some of these teams i think they're i don't know if it's the nerves i don't know if they're you know happy to get away with the one point but there's a lot of defensive teams still 
Hey, last question, uh, Sarah. Mm -hmm. do, do you think does Canada still have a chance to get out of the group? Absolutely. Anything is possible, guys. We saw Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. That's all you need to know. And honestly, I watched the Morocco and Croatia game, and Morocco looks really good, but Croatia, we can outpace that team for sure with our young guys. So we got to go in, heads up, and Canada can get away with three points. Great. Listen, Sarah, I'll let you get back to the match. So thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and, and keep uh, keep doing the great work that, that you and the rest of the 442 gang are, are doing. And uh, and we'll continue to enjoy following your work on Twitter and, and the post uh, the end of day live uh, live YouTube shows. And it's, it's just been it's been a lot of fun to watch. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, Chris Abbott, thank uh, thank you, and, and thank you, Batano, for uh, for for your support of the uh, the show. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Just a, a great show, and and uh, I know it's U.S. Thanksgiving, and people like like Will and Amanda may have been able to be a little bit uh, quiet today with with uh, their U.S. offices shutting down. So, Will uh, Hill from Sightline Payments, really appreciate you. Uh, you joining us and uh, to hear that you're uh, you're feeling better after having a little bout of flu this week and thanks amanda brewer from kinder group for being with us paul burns from the canadian gaming association and, and in case you haven't seen it earlier this afternoon uh, really really sad news from the from the hockey world that uh, borio salming passed away uh, has passed away and and as someone who uh, who grew up uh, idolizing borio salming just uh incredibly uh incredibly sad uh sad day and and so our condolences to uh to all of Borea's uh family members uh as, as former uh, former teammates with with the Maple Leafs and the Swedish national teams and and uh everybody who uh who loved watching Borea Salming play uh play hockey thanks again enjoy the rest of your week and and have a very uh very safe and uh and wonderful weekend and we'll look forward to seeing everybody here next Thursday thanks everybody Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show, a Parlay Media Group production. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience and DM us if you're interested in sponsorship or being a featured guest.